Hi there, I'm Eric Wordweaver Shervin, Gothi of the Ridgar Folk here in East Texas, and I would like to welcome you to The Raven's Call. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy, sets my mind on fire at the time. Uh, big UPG warning at the beginning of these, uh, as always. Uh, I'm not what you would call a hardcore recon, uh, a uh, historical heathen, as it were. I'm something of a modern heathen. I like to walk a middle-of-the-road kind of path. Uh, so don't really fall into the category of Fluffy Bunny or Hardcore Recon. So uh, take that into account as you watch these. I know that's going to be uh, on board for some, and then some are not going to care for it nearly as much. So now, if you like these videos, if you enjoy what you see, please hit subscribe, ding the bell down below, thumbs up, share the videos around. Feel free to share these on any of your group pages that you want to. Uh, feel free to share these amongst your your tribe members, uh, up-and-coming heathens that might be interested in it, just whatever, I don't, I don't mind. That's why they're up here on YouTube, is to be shared around. So uh, feel free, uh, share it wherever you would like. You don't need my permission to do that. So there you go. <laughs> Without any further ado, let's go ahead. Well, okay, wait, 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 wait. We're back in the studio, so I am going to do a little bit more ado. Uh, all of my contact information is down below. You guys have seen it. Um, you'll see the Facebook stuff, you'll see a P.O. box where you can send stuff in, and I promised when you send stuff in, as long as it's suitable for the channel, that I will share it up on the channel, and I would like to do that today. Now, I was walking to, this has been a little bit now, um, I'm, I'm way overdue for getting this one up on the, the channel, so sorry, John, I meant to get this sooner, but got around to it, <clears throat> but uh, I was walking to my P.O. box one day, opened it up, and I see this really cool envelope. This thing is neat. Because I pull it out, and at first I'm like, well, that's kind of an interesting paper, most unusual. And then I take a look, and I see the Royal Mail. And I'm like, hey, I, uh, I went over to the UK for a little bit during college. I recognize that stamp. Yeah. <laughs> what this is, John Burbank over in the UK. Set this lovely little note along with it. And uh, he sent me the coolest little thing. This is a little book that John himself put together and sent it over to the channel for us to see. And I cannot tell you how cool this thing is. John has gone through and illustrated his own little book. And uh, it'd be a little harder to make out there, but you can see it's all in runes. And it's all his own personal artwork and rune work, poetry, sayings. And this book is the neatest little thing. He has hand done this. I mean, this is hours and hours worth of work. This is not a simple thing. This is a labor of love. This is something that somebody spent some serious time on, and I've got mad respect for it. Now, I haven't gone through and translated everything. I am uh, fluent in Elder Futhark, but this is a mixture, uh, seemingly. I mean, John will correct me on this. Uh, I haven't sat down and actually codified it all but it looks to be a mixture of like Elder Futhark and maybe some younger Futhark in there. So very cool. The artwork is incredible. I love this kind of sketchy, see we got a little wild hunt action going on here. Um, just too cool. It's that sketch kind of look, um, abstract that's given form, use of negative space, the whole nine yards. Uh, it's just really, really cool. So as always, I thank you guys. I cannot thank you enough when y'all send stuff like this in, it is too cool and it warms my heart to take a look at the artwork, the rune work and everything. Uh, the few that I've translated, I've really, really liked. 
So thank you, John, once again. That, that thing is too cool. I love it. It's incredible. And I look forward to translating the full thing and, and listening to it. It actually gives me an excuse to go back and practice some of my other futharks and to uh, become fluent in them like I am with the Elder Futhark. I do all of my inscriptions in Elder Futhark, and I do a lot of those. Uh, but that's <clears throat> a lot of what we find in Viking Age stuff is in younger Futhark because of the time period. And so I need to get a little bit more fluent in that. So thank you. I'm looking forward to that very much. You guys are welcome to send in anything that you like, fan art, uh, little poems that you write, and things like that. If you want it shown on the channel, let me know. If it's something that you don't want and it's just something that you're sending in, you know, just for me, uh, then let me know that when you send it in. Say, you know, please, I don't want this on the channel, but, you know, this is for you. This is cool. And I've gotten a couple of things in like that. It's really, really neat. So thank you. Thank you, guys. I really, really appreciate that. Now, on to today's subject. I've got a couple of different things that have been rattling around in my brain lately. And this is one that has kind of struck a chord with me lately. Uh, as I go through and I look at modern heathenry, I see that we are going through kind of a, a transitionary phase. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, uh, heathenry was mostly this kind of niche border thing where people that were mostly into it were very much on the fringe, uh, very, very separated, very disparate. You didn't see the, the level of tribes and kindreds and clans that we do today. And it was a lot of people who came from like high magic backgrounds, um, other neo-pagan backgrounds, which we see a lot of that today as well. But this was, you know, back in the day, it was, it, people were trading books through the mail and having to do all the work the hard way. And we get to benefit from the research and the effort that those people put in today. Now, albeit, uh, they may have had a different approach, but that's the nature of these things. They grow and they develop over time. And as things have developed, I have watched and I've enjoyed watching uh, these tribes and these, I call them tribes, uh, other people will call them kindreds, some will call them circles, whatever. Uh, these little groups, these little communities grow up all throughout uh, and all across the world. It's neat. Uh, I really enjoy seeing these things come up. You guys know that I'm a big proponent for what I call hashtag grassroots heathenry. Uh, the reason for that is because that's where I see heathenry being. I don't see heathenry being a top-down kind of thing. Heathenry is very much community-driven. It's very much driven by the clans, driven by the tribes, driven by the hearths that make up those clans, that make up those tribes. Now, a lot of people, we've talked about solitary practitioners and their place within heathenry today. We've talked about the role of uh, those that are single hearths and how that works. And I wanted to focus a little bit more on some tribal elements today because we've talked some about tribal structure. We've talked some about the different elements that come into building this social construct that we recognize as a tribe or a kindred. We've talked about some of the mechanics, but we need to talk a little bit about what that looks like today. What does that mean today? What does it mean to be a Goldie in the modern era? What does it mean to be a Jarl in the modern era? What does it mean to be a Thane? What does it mean to have a position of responsibility within a tribe? What does it mean to be a Freeman or a Carl within a tribe? Whatever terminology you may use. And that's one of the things that makes it difficult because of the tribal differences. There's not a singular lexicon that we can use. 
like the structure within my tribe uh, uses different terminology than say a Thade would or say another tribe up in the Midwest and may be completely different from that on the East or West Coast and this is just in America uh, when you're talking about overseas and the structures that are built up around those cultures over there uh, it, it can take on a very significant difference uh, I wouldn't even be able to begin to tell you what the heathens in South America are doing and I am surprised that there is such a movement down in South America for heathenry but I had come across it all the time and I can't translate any of it because most of it's either in Portuguese or in Spanish but I am impressed nonetheless that it is there you know I'm not at all surprised to see it pop up all throughout the UK and Scandinavian mainland Europe um, South America surprised me really kind of neat so but what does it mean to have these positions what does it mean to be part of a tribe today why is a tribe important why does it matter you know, a, a lot of people will flock to tribes simply because talking heads like myself or any other YouTube presenter or any other author on the internet will stand up and say, you know, heathenry's about tribe, we need to build tribe. But what does that mean? You know, what, what really does that mean? What are we trying to say? Where are we going with that? There has to be a why. There has to be a purpose. And if you guys have followed my channel at all at any point, you know the why is the most important thing to me. That is the meat and potatoes. Why are we doing this? Why do we honor the gods? We honor the gods in order to exchange luck with them, in order to maintain our relationships with them, to gain the boon and bounty that comes from that, to honor the gifts that they have given us. We honor our ancestors for these same reasons. We honor our particular family lines in order to respect what they have given us, to thank them for that, and to hope that they will continue to bless us with luck as we go forward. We honor our tribes, and we honor our kindreds, our clans. But why do we do that? And what does it mean to be in those positions? Well, let's take a look at what a tribe actually is. Okay? We talk about Inengard and Udengard on the channel. And yes, I know those are not necessarily historical uh, terminal, terms. Uh, the terminology itself is a modern construct, an application for something that is an observable constant in the olden days. Uh, it's not something that was necessarily codified because it didn't need to be codified back then. That's something that needs to be codified now because we're talking about interacting with different worldviews. We're talking about people who are coming to heathenry from different worldviews and are trying to readopt that worldview. People ask me all the time, hey, can you do a video on the heathen worldview? I can't do a, a video on the heathen worldview. My entire channel is about my heathen worldview. It's not necessarily anybody else's. It's not necessarily greater heathenries. It's not an arch-heathen kind of worldview. It's a modern heathen worldview. And it's exactly that. It's a view of the world. And so, Innengart and Utengart, we've talked about ad nauseum. We've talked about it several times. And just brief recap for those that haven't seen it, Innengart means roughly your inner circle, the inner yard, and Utengart is your outer yard. Uh, those that are within your inner circle and those that are outside of your social construct. It's a continuum, um, and you may end up anywhere along that continuum. Our tribes tend to be made up of those people that are in that inner yard, or at least in and around it. Um, a tribe itself is actually an interconnection of all of these inner yards coming together to form a society of sorts. 
And in the modern day, we exist not under kings, we don't exist under jarls or thanes, we exist within the constructs of whatever society it is that we are in. Now, most of my viewers are in the US, so you're gonna understand we're under the federal government, we're under our state governments, etc., 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 city municipalities, all of that. And there's not necessarily a place for a king, per se. There's not necessarily a place for some tribal leader in the grand scheme of the way government is viewed. And I'm not one to buck that particular system. I think that there are purposes to it. I think the whys for it have been lost in modern society, but this is not a political blog, so I'm not gonna go on about that. Um, I know my viewers run the gamut as far as political views, and that would be a long ongoing conversation and not the uh, subject of this particular channel. But our societies still exist. Our cultures still exist. Each tribe is a culture in and of itself. There's not some greater heathen culture. That's not a thing. It's not... There's not one culture that codifies, represents, and, and rep is the crux of heathenry today. It's just not like that. Each tribe has their own individual culture, and those individual cultures are sovereign and need to remain sovereign because that's what makes them special. They are a representation of the people that make up those societies, the people that make up those communities, and that's really what it boils down to. It's a community. So what is a tribe? A tribe is a gathering of clans, family units, uh, extended family, tied families, uh, that come together around a central goal and leadership. The idea behind the goal of a tribe is to provide for its people, to be there for each other, in whatever way that may seem proper and appropriate in that day and time. Now, in the olden days, if you're talking about arch-heathen times, tribes banded together because that's how you survived. Tribes banded together because they needed to hunt together. They needed to fish together. The trade routes and everything, they needed to be together. Otherwise, they wouldn't make it. It's a harsh world. It's a, an unforgiving world. And people would die without the support of their social structures. That was the essence of tribe. Tribes banded together to be strong. And strength was recognized through survivability for the ability to provide for their people to provide for one another and to support one another. That meant crops, that meant fishing, that meant goods, that meant skills, trades, all of that. Everybody shared what they were good at. And it doesn't necessarily mean like a communist commune kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> it was still trading amongst each other and providing for each other, but it was more than that. It was, everyone was in the same boat together and they knew it. And they had to survive that way. Now fast forward a few thousand years and we sit here in the modern era and we look at the world around us and we're not banded together in small little villages trying to eke out a survival out of you know hard-packed soil and weathered dirt. We're not trying to to lure our survivability in from the rivers and in from the seas. We're not hunting and fishing in the same way. 
not on the same levels anyway. There are some that still get their main meals, their main meat sources from hunting. There are those that do farm to provide for their families. And farming to provide for your family means putting food on the table and money in the bank by selling these things. Which is why I love farmers markets because these people are doing exactly that. And I have mad respect for that because we live in a modern era that wants to boil everything down into mass production and steals the soul of a lot of that. Um, the essence of tribe is lost in a lot of ways today because society has grown too large, too broad. We've outgrown the concepts that are the basis of tribe. You have but to look around you today to see that family units are falling apart. Whatever family units may look like, uh, it's not like it used to be. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to glorify the past in this. I'm not trying to romanticize history in this respect because there were some fairly bigoted views in how family was portrayed. There were some very narrow-minded views of what constituted family, what constituted acceptable relationships. Now, different areas of the world had different views on this and it's difficult to globalize, but it's fairly safe to say that modern society has grown more accepting of uh, what, what one would call alternate uh, family structures. And it's not just mommy, daddy, and the kids. It's now, it could be a mommy, mommy, and the kids. It could be daddy, daddy, and the kids. It could be uh, any number of different structures around that. But nonetheless, the essence is that the modern society doesn't value family the way that it used to. It doesn't focus on family structures. You know, our jobs pull us away from family. Our obligations in order to put food on the table and to keep roofs over our heads pull us out of the home in ridiculous hours, ridiculous numbers of days. And it's to a point where we have to fight for family time. Families become distant from one another. I know I don't get to see my family nearly as much as I would like to. And uh, we're a fairly tight-knit group. And I miss them, but that's what the world has thrust at us. And so it comes to me to have to fight and try to turn some of that around to try and find my time for my family, to find my time, make my time, to be there uh, with my lady, with my family, with my tribe, because the mundane world will take and take and take and give nothing back. That's the essence of tribe. Tribe is something that doesn't take, take, take. Tribe is something to which you give because everyone is giving something to the tribe, everyone is getting something from the tribe. It is the, the reciprocity of gift giving. It's that same gift cycle, but within a tribal unit and not a formalized gifting, but a we're doing this for each other. You need something, I got you. I'm there for you. I'm there to support you emotionally. I'm there to support you when you need a hand, lend my back to a shovel when you need it. I'm there to do these things for you. And that's what tribe is about. Tribe is support in a lot of different ways. You know, we gather around as tribes ostensibly in the modern day because we are individuals that all worship the same gods and goddesses and wish to do that together as a group. That's a church, you know, um, that's, that's essentially uh, what that boils down to when you're just gathering solely for the religious purposes. But tribe is more than that. And tribe is, you know, you hear a lot of people say it's extended family. And it's, it is, but it's not, um, it's difficult sometimes with the terminology to differentiate where it needs to be. Um, tribe is a family of sorts, but it can't dilute the relationship one has with blood family, 
and with adoptive family and things like that. Um, it, it's a different kind of family. It's the family you choose uh, versus the family that you're born into. And everybody's got different experiences. I was blessed by the gods with a fantastic family uh, and, and a wonderful Orlog in that respect. Uh, and I reap the benefits of that. Other people, maybe not so much. Uh, so they supplement with tribe. And that's another facet of what tribe is good for. What tribe can do. But what does it mean to be in a tribe? To be in a tribe means to support each other. It means to be there for each other. It means to help each other when times are down. To lend an ear when you need it. And a tribe is a gathering of free people who willfully gather underneath leadership towards a goal. So it's important to remember what the goal of your tribe is. The goal of the tribe is to provide for the people. The leadership's job, what is it to be a Jarl? What is it to be a Gothi? You know, to be a Gothi, depending on the interpretation of the term that you're using, depending on the responsibilities you place upon that particular title these days, it can either be strictly a priest class. Well, if it's strictly a priest class, then your responsibility to the tribe is to see to their spiritual well-being and health, to make sure that the ties with the gods are strong and true, to make sure that the traditions that your specific culture for your specific tribe are upheld with regards to the religious and the spiritual side of things, to help guide, to help teach, to instill in the next generation. All of this is giving, 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 giving. It's not a take of power. It's not a grasp at control. It's something that someone is good at, and because of that, they take on that mantle of responsibility and they give to their tribe. Gothi can also be a kind of unified leader, uh, a, an administrative leader as well as a religious leader, secular and religious leader, um, in that they can fill the role of, say, chieftain or jarl or king. Uh, in guiding a tribe and making the decisions for the tribe and providing for the tribe. They become the seed of luck. We've talked about that in a video before. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch that. It's, I forget which number it is, but uh, it's back there, seed of luck. It is a position of responsibility. A tribe is an interconnected web of reciprocal responsibilities to one another, but it's responsibilities that we enter into willingly. It's not something that we're bound to because we are born into it. It's not something, I mean, you can be born into a tribe, but it's not like it's a, a life debt kind of thing. Um, you're not there because you don't want to be. You're there because you want to be. And the goal of, you know, older generations is to try and create something that the younger generation wants to be a part of because they need to willfully be there and willfully be a part of that for the tribe to survive into future generations. But to be a Jarl, to be a King Konungr, to be Goldi, being a leader means being someone that your people want to follow. Because your people follow you of their own free will. They follow you because they want to. Because you're a person that they see bringing luck to the tribe. You are the seat of luck. A leader will naturally rise up. People will look to them for guidance, will look to them for teaching, to look to them for decisions, and will follow them in the decisions that they make. And that's a heady thing. That's a heavy mantle to bear. It comes with a lot of stress, and it comes with 
every decision being weighty because it sets precedent maybe for future generations. It's not a game. It's not something that you play at. It's not some pull for power because you're not some regional king with an army behind you going and conquering other tribes. It's, that's not today. Today, a leader means someone who stands up and helps to guide their people in ways that help them to provide for themselves, that help them to seek fruition, to seek sustenance, to seek the ability to do well for themselves. That's what a leader does. That's what a leader needs to do. They have a responsibility to their people. They have a role to play. So that's what it is to be a goalie, to be a yarl in today's society. It means not taking up some official position of government and then doling out rules and dictates and all of this stuff. No, it means taking on a responsibility to your people to tend to them, to look after them, to be there for them, to guide them, to give them something to look forward to in the future, to safeguard the luck of the tribe, and to make sure that the people under you get their share of it to make sure that they're not slipping between the cracks, to make sure they are part of that community and to defend that community. It means to recognize the strength of the people within your community and to help them actualize it, to encourage them to step up and take positions of responsibility, to step up and, and take a place in that society, to do something they can be proud of and to be proud of them for doing it, empower your people. That is the role of a leader today, is to empower the people to gain honor, to empower them to do things within the tribe, for the tribe, to be a part of the tribe. They are your people. They are your people, and you are responsible to them. You are responsible for them. And that's not some micromanaging, you know, haughty lord that's sitting here trying to demand things of their people. You're not gathering tithes and trying to make money off of your people. You don't gain strength and power by taking advantage of your people. You gain strength and power by empowering your people because your people are the strength of the tribe. The leader is not the strength of the tribe. The leader is the seed of luck. The leader has the, the, the rudder. The, the leader is the captain of the ship. But without everyone else, the ship is adrift. Without everyone else, a general standing in battle is one lone warrior who may make himself famous and may be remembered, but will not create something lasting. Victory does not come to the one. It comes to the many. It comes to the tribe. As a leader, your victories are your tribe's victories. Your successes are your tribe's successes. You bring honor to your tribe and your success. That's what it means to be a leader today. That's what it means to be a goalie, to be a yarl. It means to gather your people together and take on the responsibility of, of making sure that tribal tie to the gods is strong. Why? Because your tribe deserves the luck that they get from that. Your tribe will benefit from what you do for them. This is the leadership element of things. This is the responsibility you take on. If you're just a hearth, if you're not a full tribe or a kindred, if you're just your own hearth, then it's your responsibility to tend to your family. It's your responsibility to be there for your people 
and to take care of them and to provide for them. This is as it would be in the olden days. The olden days, the leader, say if a fishing village, the leader of a fishing village needs to know where the fish are going. The leader of a village needs to know who is good at what job and to put them in those jobs and empower them to do the things that they can do really well because they will bring fish to the village. The village will eat, the village will sell fish, and the village will prosper because the leader steps up and does what the leader needs to do. That's the leader. But what about these other positions? What does it mean to be a freeman within a tribe? Uh, what I would call a carl in our tribe. What others may call just freemen or good folk or any other term, whatever works for you. I, I, not my hall, not my call, not the important part. What does it mean to be a member of the tribe, a generalized member of the tribe? It means giving your part. It means stepping up and being there for people. It means when you are good at something, bring it to bear for the tribe. If you're good at fiber arts, if you're good at wood carving, if you are good at blacksmithing, if you are good at any of these things, if you're good at mental health type stuff, there's a need for that too. Uh, in general, <laughs> let alone within your own tribe, you have skills, you have capacities. The Havamal tells us that, you know, the, the, the lame can ride a horse, etc., etc., etc. That means no person is without value. The key is finding your value to the tribe and giving a piece, giving to the tribe so the tribe may give to you and being there for each other. And if your tribe is not something that you feel comfortable giving on that level, then you may not be in the right tribe. It may not be right for you. It may be founded on the wrong reasons, the wrong ideals. It may be brought together as some cult of personality around some central leader who's all ego and no substance. It may be a bunch of people who have bandied together under the idea of being a tribe under a leader who's only out for themselves, who's only out to bring their own uh, their own legend to bear, who seeks to take from the tribe and gain power. That's not what tribe is about. And if you find yourself in that kind of a situation, get out. Get out and find what is good for you. Don't stick around and be somebody's pawn simply because they seek to, to better themselves without being tribe-focused. If your leader's not tribe-focused, then they're probably not the leader for you. And so take that to heart. And leaders take that to heart because your people can walk out at any point in time. They are not beholden to you other than by oath and they can step away if you are not upholding your end of the oath. You must uphold your end of the bargain in order for your people to want to follow you. And if they don't want to follow you, they're not going to follow you. Keep that in mind. Now, these freemen, these free people, good folk, within the tribe make up the backbone of the tribe. They are the crux, the essence of the tribe. They are the basis that gives the tribe life. They are the artisans. They are the workers. They are the heart of everything, the personalities, the jokesters, the storytellers, the, the flavor of a tribe. This is the essence, the lifeblood of a tribe. The greatest thing a leader can do is to sit back and watch his or her tribe prosper and watch them be themselves. To sit back, one of my favorite things to do at my festivals is to sit back and just watch my people be themselves. 
And it brings me such joy to see them laugh and to play and to enjoy each other's company, to watch them pick each other up when they're feeling down, to answer questions for one another when they have them, to lend a hand when someone needs to move. And this isn't just the tribe, this is the tribal community too. This is the folk community around your tribe, those friends and acquaintances that may not necessarily be tribe, but are next to it. Now, my tribe has got a fairly fairly bustling little folk community around us, and we've got some fantastic people. And I jump to their aid, same as I do for my people, because they're still part of our community. And we do for our community, and our community does for us. It's a give and give. It's not a give and take, it's a give and give. And as long as people are giving and giving and giving, and getting something back, then that is the reciprocity. You have to watch out for toxic situations where you give and give and give, but then the other level's not giving back. A leader can gather a bunch of people together who are heathen in name only, who aren't really there for anything more than a heathen a Viking drinking group, or who are gathered for the wrong reasons, and they stand up and they're like, trying to lead the tribe, they're trying to guide the tribe, they're trying to build something, do something, teach something, and the people are not giving back. They're not giving their part. So that leader then is doling out all this luck, all this effort, and not getting any feedback from the tribe, and this drains the leader to the point that they're ineffectual. You have to replenish the well from all levels in order for everything to work. It has to bubble, it has to roil, it has to be in motion. There has to be a give and a give. Everyone needs to be a part of it. Everyone needs to be engaged. And if you're not engaged, then why are you there? If you're not driven by this, then why are you there? What is the purpose? Find your drive, find your need, find your spot, find your will to be there, or find something that you are driven to, to be. And, and go there. You know, that's... A lot of people will join tribes specifically because that's the only thing in their area. And I keep telling people, if you cannot find what's right for you, then build it. Build it yourself. Step up and start to gather people around you that you trust. That I mean, even if you're not the leadership type material, you can still be the glue that helps hold together a group until a leader rises to position and then things get to rolling. Uh, you, can, you can be that. You know, in Harry Potter terms, you can be a Hufflepuff and bring great things because you are the hardworking backbone, glue, you know, the friend in need, the friend indeed kind of thing. Um, these leaders will arise when the time is right. Tribes will band together when the time is right. Uh, it's the way that the weird flows together and meshes and forms a web. It just kind of naturally happens. It's like a crystallization of weird after a fashion. Um, you know, if you take the solution, put it together, blah, 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 crystals form. And then that's the way this is. You put all the things in the right places and then the crystals will begin to form. Uh, and the crystals don't just magically happen. They take work, they take effort, and it takes give and give from everybody in the community to bring a community to bear. Community is the key. You know, tribes, banding a tribe around like it's some MC or it's some club, you, know, you get an element of, an, a facet of the structure and the meaning of it, but you lose the heart of it. It is a community. It is people there for one another. It is not some power play. It is not some controlling thing, either the people running roughshod over the leader or the leader having to rein in their people and be all domineering and tyrannical. That's toxic and that's gonna burn up. That's gonna, that's not gonna work, all right? 
you know, a well-established group with a bad leader can oust the leader and appoint a new leader. Um, if you're not in a position where you can do that, it either means that you just don't have another leader and that everything really is centered around that person, they really are the right leader and you need to help them become a better leader, or uh, it's a cult of personality kind of thing, a toxic situation, and it's probably best to just bail on that. I can't tell you what it is because it's a case-by-case -case basis. You have to read the weird of the group to be able to tell what's going on and uh, to see whether or not this is a toxic parasitic kind of thing or if it is uh, just something that's floundering and needs help to grow. So that's what it is to be a part of a tribe. That's what it means today to be part of a tribe, to be a leader of a tribe. The positions of responsibility that you take on, like if you are a freeman in the tribe and then you step up to a responsibility of say, thule or law speaker or bard of some kind, scald. Uh, if you are taking on these positions of responsibility, like a responsibility for a scald can be recording the history of the tribe, writing poems and stories that record the tribe, that record the tribe's values and ethics. If you can write, you have a wonderful gift. You have Odin's gift and you can use that to the benefit of your tribe. You know, I've done some with my tribe and a lot of writings that I've done to help kind of record some of our views on the world, to record some of our um, core structures. And that's something that I can do because I have that. I have other members of my tribe that are extremely gifted in writing and I can't wait to see what they choose to do with that because I think it's gonna be really cool. And uh, she knows who I'm talking about right now. I'm thrilled to death that she has that gift and cannot wait to see what she decides to do with it and how to bring it to bear because she's incredible and uh, I've got mad respect for her and you know who I'm talking about. Well, the rest of you don't, but she does and she's awesome. So everyone's got something to bring to the table. You can be the recorder of history. You can write stories that portray values and worldviews of the tribe so that it can be passed on to future generations. My book that I've got out, The Saga of Bjorn Thorolfsson, is exactly that. It is my attempt to codify in story format, a tellable story format, and a tellable piece of work that will survive generations that shows at least a snippet of some of my worldview, some of how I view the world so that I can pass it on to future generations of my tribe. You can do that regardless of your position. You don't have to be the leader. You can be a freeman within the tribe. You can be a scald kind of position. You can do these things. You can be the Thule, whose job it is to safeguard the Thu and traditions of the tribe, to safeguard the honor and and integrity of the tribe in gatherings and things like that. A lot of times what the Thule will do when they stand up, they'll uh, oversee, um, they'll be the ones that stand up and say, you know, these are the rules of this particular engagement. Like if you're gathering a bunch of people together, it'll be like, all right, this is a, a Grithstead. We are declaring a peace here and uh, we will uphold this peace. And I take on the responsibility of upholding that peace because that's my job. That's what I do here. My responsibility is to create a safe space so that my people can have the good time that they deserve to have so that they can commune with one another, with the gods, with the ancestors, with the Vaitir, so they can do all of these things without worry of their safety and without worry that you know anybody will come in and disrupt this and not be put in their place. Because somebody can come in and disrupt it. That's gonna happen, you can't prevent that completely. Uh, but this position can step in and some, some will put this on the Thule, some will create a separate role, uh, the shoulder or the shield bear, and um, 
it'll be their job, kind of a man-at-arms kind of thing. Um, there are warrior casts, and that's a whole different thing. I've got a cool project coming up on the warrior cast. If I can ever nail the guy down uh, who I want to interview for this, there's some really cool stuff we can do about warrior cult in the near future from a, a really good heathen who really knows his stuff and has done a lot of research on warrior cult stuff. Um, he's more of the historical heathen bent, so uh, you guys may enjoy his take. Um, Going to interview him on a couple of things, I hope, in the near future. So we'll see. We'll see. I got to nail him down first. But um, these different positions have different roles, and these different roles are responsibilities to the tribe. It's not just a hey, I'm taking a position of power within the tribe. It's I'm stepping up because I'm good at this. I can do this, and by doing this, I bring honor on myself and on my tribe. I make the tribe stronger through my efforts because I'm good at this and I know I can get the job done. It's not even necessarily something you always want to do, but it's something you recognize a need for and you are willing to step up and do it. You are willing to step up and fix whatever needs to be fixed. You could have an artisan cast within a tribe whose role it is to help provide those artwork pieces that the rest of the tribe needs. You need altar pieces? Well, these are the people you go to. If they don't necessarily make it for you, you don't necessarily contract with them to do it, or if they don't necessarily gift it to you or whatever, maybe they can teach you how to do it because they're good at that and they can. And teaching that helps to perpetuate it into future generations. It helps to spread it around. This is the give and give of tribe. This is what it means to be tribe in the modern society. We're not trying to set up little pocket governments. We're not trying to create splinter cults that are separate from, say, the like in the U.S., that are separate from the federal government. We're not trying to set up, you know, heathen law here and uh, law best, the, the federal law best stay out there because this is heathenville. No, it's not like that. We have to exist within the world that we are in and we have to find our place in it because if everything else around us falls apart, tribe is still there. Tribe is still there for one another and tribe has a structure to support one another. That's the idea of tribe. You want to be able to survive the apocalypse with your people. <laughs> I know it's the whole doom and gloom, uh, but yeah, I mean, if something were to go wrong and your federal government, state government, municipal government, whatever, were to fall apart and anarchy were to reign, all of a sudden your tribe would be the people that you would go to to support one another and be there for each other. The people that you want to be there for, the people that you can trust to do these things. That's why outlaws get cast out, is because they damage that. They weaken the strength of the tribe. And that's sometimes difficult to see when you're looking at, say, the sagas and stuff like that, because there is a glorification of the outlier, uh, because their stories are interesting to tell. Um, you look at someone like Greta the Strong, who can't stay in a society to save his life, um, quite literally. There's a glorification of the the wolf, the outlier, and that that's for storytelling purposes. There's a reason behind that. There's a reason those stories get told. It's because these people go out and make names for themselves and be big and glorious, but <sighs> look for deeper meanings in those. You will find in a lot of those outlaw stories, it still boils down to they're just not able to function in that society, but they kind of create their own society over here. Society's not always going to look the same way. <laughs> it's not always going to be the same structure for everybody. It shouldn't be. It should be respective of your individual culture and the culture that you build for your tribe. You know, I, I go into a lot of stuff about uh, building tribal culture, and that's why this is so important. It is 
the flavor of your tribe. It is the soul, the art, the music, the stylings, the clothing, everything that makes up who you are, the food that you guys prefer, the games that you like to play, the rituals that you like to do the way you like to do them, what works for you, what brings strength and luck to the tribe itself. Measure your success in the strength and well-being of the tribe. That's where your success is at. It's not in how famous you can be with the other tribes, all right? Gefrain is great. Gefrain is great. But Gefrain comes to those who have strong tribes, to those who tend to home first, and then do good things out there, which helps to strengthen the tribe because it strengthens their interactions. You know, you can go out and build all this Gefrain with everybody, but if you have a weak tribe at home, then when they go to call on that, because you have reciprocal responsibilities and obligations with this other tribe and they call on your tribe and your tribe's not there to back up their end of the bargain, that damages your tribe and brings shame upon them. So, strong tribes. Strong tribes bring opportunities for honor for the individuals. They bring opportunities for strength for the individuals within the tribe, the different hearths that make it up. Everybody's in it together for all the same goal, which is to be okay. That's, I mean, that if you want to boil down to what is tribe about, it's banding together so that we can all be okay. That we know we're going to be all right. You know, we're going to do what we need to do. We're not, you know, geographic locations play a role. I mean, tribes today are spread out in a lot of ways that they weren't back in the day. You know, in Archie, then times, a tribe would all be gathered around the same kind of land structures. Uh, it would be these farms that are all in this community. I mean, it would be a centralized community. There is a locality, a physicality element to it that was essential. You weren't going to survive with, you know, this tribe member being 100 miles that way and that one being 100 miles that way. Well, we've shrunk the world. You know, we, we have vehicles that allow us to travel what would have taken days to months before we can do in hours now. Um, that's that shrinks the world considerably. Uh, the internet, phones, things like this. We can reach out to people and those people that are 150 miles away may be right next to you uh, with a single phone call. But you still have to make the phone call. You still got to do these things. Uh, don't let the grass grow too tall on the road to your tribe. Build that structure. Be there for each other. Take tribe time. Make sure that you've got some time to be there for each other and build those relationships and it will be stronger in the long run. Remember the reciprocal responsibilities that you guys have to one another, and it will be good, I think, in the long run. So, I'm rambling on. I know, I'm, I'm particularly driven on this one because it's just, it's got me riled up. Um, I've, I've been watching and reading a few things that had me thinking on tribe and the importance of it, and, uh, you know, 2020 is one of those years that tribes really need to be there for each other because there's some wild and woolly stuff going on out there these days, and, and we need each other. Uh, I know I need my tribe. I need my people, because uh, I don't think I could do it without them. And I hope that I can do the same thing for them, be there for them, uphold my responsibilities to them. So every position that's taken within a tribe should feel heavy. It's supposed to. You should want to do it, because it's for the tribe. It's for your people. It's for your people, whether you are the leadership or whether you are a freeman, free woman within the tribe, whether you're a position of responsibility within the tribe, they're your people and you should want to do it. And if you don't, then, you know, 
I can't necessarily say that you shouldn't because it may be one of those where you're filling a need. You may not want to do it, but it needs to be done and you're the one willing to do it. There's honor in that. There's, there's, there's a lot of honor in that. So, but nonetheless, <clears throat> the only reason that you stay and support a tribe is because you want to be a part of that tribe. You want that tribe to flower, to grow. Keep that in mind. The whys are important, people. The whys are probably the most important thing. The hows will vary from tribe to tribe, from house to house, to heart to hearth, whatever. Um, the winds will vary. I don't care about the winds. You know, don't come at me with heathen calendar stuff. Um, the winds will vary, and that's fine. Uh, regional differences, etc., 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 depends on your particular culture and what you build up for yourselves. Make it matter, though. Make sure you're paying attention to the whys. The whys matter on all of this. So I'm going to let it go here because this has gone on way longer than I intended it to in the initial. Um, looking at my clicker here going, man, that's like, uh, this is like two episodes in one. But you know what? I haven't been in the studio in a little while and I'm feeling particularly driven about this. I may come back to it in the future with some additional information. Just depends on how this is received. So hail to you all. Thank you. May your hearth fires burn bright and may your tribes be strong. Yeah.